All right, welcome to another episode of the Speed Change Repeat podcast. Today with Jörg Hevig. Hi, Jörg. Hi. Well, uh, thanks for being on the show. Uh, you are the Chief Digital Officer of Lanxys, a very large company, and uh, we are very glad that you are here with us today. That we actually are. That is, this is actually the first podcast that we're recording after uh, the outbreak of Corona. So, cool. Actually, a big day. So, but uh, obviously, uh, we're starting out. Uh, as usual, in, in the sense that we're giving you the stage to kind of, you know, tell our listeners uh, where you're coming from. So um, please kind of give us an insight in a, yeah, in a storytelling way where you're coming from, who York is basically, and uh, how you ended up basically being here today. Jonathan, uh, first of all, thanks a lot for, for having me. I'm very happy to uh, have the podcast today with you. Welcome to the Lanxys Tower. Um, for me, this is also a little bit uh, coming back to normal so that we uh, um, go back into a little bit uh, more normal life than we have experienced at all in the last uh, five, six months. Um, yeah, uh, as you said, I'm the Chief Digital Officer uh, for Lanxys. Lanxys is a specialty chemicals company uh, headquartered in Cologne. We're a global company, about 7 billion euro sales, uh, 15,000 people worldwide. Um, we are actually a spin-off of Bayer, the Esperant company uh, from like 15 plus years ago. And that's where I started. Um, I have a little bit uh, different career than uh, many of my colleagues in the executive team. Um, uh, I always call this uh, one of the first uh, performance culture sessions I had because I had an agreement when I was 15 with my teachers that it doesn't make really sense for me or for the teachers to stay in school. So I skipped school um, at that time and started a trainee program at Bayer. Um, so I, I started working in the plant, uh, in the production area, in offices, in labs and so on. And after that, I uh, just worked uh, in the Crayfield Erding plant. Crayfield is actually my hometown. And uh, after two years, I was lucky enough to find one of my bosses who told me, look, you need to do something and you cannot just stay there in this office, uh, production office for the next 40 years. So I started to do evening schools, um, studied a little bit and so on and made uh, one career step after the other. Um, but that experience from my early beginning of the career just uh, drives me still, I believe, the the value created in a company like Lanxys is created in production. So this is where uh, out of uh, cheaper raw materials we create something valuable. Uh, we can finance all of our operations and we service customers. So this is what drives me a lot and I believe we'll come back to this later when we talk about technology. So. Um, then I had a couple of career steps, um, ended up uh, also um, working a couple of years in the US um, for, for Bayer at that time, came back, was heading um, uh, first time a global function, the global fibers department. That was the time when Langsys kicked in, so I was one of the 15,000 people uh, who were told uh, on a Friday afternoon, on Monday, you're not allowed to be with us anymore, we don't want you anymore. Uh, kind of a change management uh, um, um, session at that time. Um, and then I, uh, I formed Lanxys. I was one in the team uh, which formed a, a brand new company. We were Nuco at that time. Um, a very exciting time. Um, then I left Lanxys, also exciting. I worked uh, in India for three years for Reliance uh, and then came back uh, to Lanxys and um, was working in a global operation again, uh, heading a business unit. <coughs> and uh, about three years ago, uh, our boss, uh, Matthias Zachert, asked me, could you please 
take over the digital transformation? Could he become the digital chief digital officer? Pretty weird for me because I've never worked in corporate. I always worked directly in business with customers. Um, but I saw a unique chance to do what I had been doing already with my team, changing processes now with the support of technology. Um, I asked Matthias at that time, could I please keep my position, this global business unit head position, not to have a safe uh, haven. If it goes wrong, I can go back to this very nice position, but to have a sandbox to play with technology, to really convince people it's working because I had a, a great team at that time. They were very um, motivated to do new things and they were very motivated to also look at technology. So for one year I had a dual position, but it gave us the chance to really look at technology in a different way, test it, check it out, partner with people, with, par with, with, with companies out there and uh, what I always um, stress, uh, gain the ability to stop a project after two or four weeks and not let it run for months. You feel it's working great, put all the resources in. If it doesn't work, just stop it. There's so much out there. And um, so uh, what I always explain when I explain my position as a chief digital officer, I'm not a techie, I'm not an IT person, I'm a business person. So I see digital transformation as a clear business project. At the end, we have to make money we have to serve our customers better, and now we have the support of technology I could not have imagined three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. And every day, every week, I see something which excites me a lot. And then we have to um, bring it to the business, and if it's working, um, we pilot it, and then we go out and scale it up and try to um, operate uh, with this new technology globally. Right. So, I mean, there's obviously a lot of uh, topics that we can talk about. And I think uh, in order to kind of, you know, structure it chronologically, I think we should definitely start at the start, you know, where basically at this moment, you know, your boss asked you to, you know, become the chief digital officer. Um, first of all, do you know why he asked you? Did he ask you because you knew the business in and out, which is, I mean, you know, obviously to, as you said, you're a business person, so you're looking for, you know, opportunities to use technology in order to improve business and therefore, you know, to increase revenue or to, let's say, decrease cost. So why did he ask you then? Actually, I never asked uh, this question myself. Um, he did it. So y usually when the CEO of a company is asking you something, uh, there's very few options <laughs> to uh, say something else than, than yes. Um, but I found it a, um, a, a very interesting approach. A, I, I have had a lot of experience in the company, which is very beneficial when you talk about change. B, he knew that in my, in my position at that time, I was perhaps the front runner of changing processes. So do something like uh, power pricing, looking at connecting data points, um, looking at uh, bringing more people into one room than just six or eight people of a management team. So, and um, I was very successful with my business unit, which I believe was also a, a, a fact to um, get this very, very important um, position in the company. So, all in all, I mean, um, for me, it was important that I, I clarified with him at the early beginning, what do you want from me? What do you think? we should do and I explained to him what I believe we should do and this was, this is how Matthias operates. 
uh, a very open discussion. Um, we found a common ground. Um, don't get me wrong, we have um, discussions on a weekly basis about certain things, but um, I give him credit that um, he more or less followed on all the proposals. A lot of courage um, to spend money on things where you don't have a business case, which is a usual business case. You know, you spend a million euros on a new reactor, and you know, based on your experience, on the data, which is there, after five years, the money is back, so we do it. Here, we invest into software. We invest into people like data scientists. We invest into artificial intelligence uh, tools, and we have no clue what it is. And we don't know whether at any time something will come out of it. But he made a very clear statement. I don't know what we are going to do in 6, 12, 18 months. But I know we have to do something now because in three or four years we might not have the chance to, at that time, uh, accelerate at a speed which is then needed. So now we have the time and now we should do it and just do it. Yeah, you know, that that is actually uh, quite interesting because, you know, for, uh, from from all the conversations that I had so far, you know, with people that are, let's say, also in the chief digital officer position, I think, you know, having, having you know, a status where this is actually, you know, the case where the CEO says, okay, you know, we have to do something. You know, we don't know what will come out of it, but we need to do it. I think that's the best start. So I guess, you know, kind of as, a, as an obvious follow-up question is, I guess, you know, I don't want to dwell too much in the past, but... How did you approach it? So you were like, okay, I'm going to do this. We discussed this. How did you approach it? How did you, let's say, you know, you mentioned that we're trying things out. We're not doing it too long. We're not doing like months of projects if we see it's not really working. So we also cut things. Did you also, let's say, use the same approach when you started out, uh, let's say, you know, building your organization? We I made a couple of decisions, or I clarified with Matthias uh, Zachatz a couple of things uh, very early on. The first thing was I don't want to have a normal corporate project so that you create a central team, a, a large team, you pull the best people from business units and group functions, and then you start something. Uh, I said I want to have a very small competence center team, a um, couple of people, but uh, what I would like to have is a digital driver community. So we picked people or we asked people, could you please become digital drivers, but you stay in your business unit, you stay in your country, you stay in your group function, and we will teach you, we will give you information, we will ask you, because digital transformation always works in a way that you have to have a pain point. Someone has to raise his or her arm and say, I have an issue here, or I could do something better. You create hypothesis, you, you, you look at data, and then you start working. So that was the first decision, not a 100, 200, 300 people team in this tower, centralized in Cologne, Germany, where our business is, is uh, global. Second thing was, let's start everywhere at the same time. We cannot do a chronological transformation. So in our world, this would be R&D in the first year, production in the second year, supply chain third year, marketing sales fourth year. No, just let's start everywhere. How do we start? Um, I got a couple of people into my team. Um, most of them had been working with me in my old position, which um, helped a lot. Um, and we started to scan the world for technology. At the same time, I started networking, something I had been doing in my old world inst intensively, um, talking to people, meeting people, seeking opinions, seeking advice. I had some doubts that this is working in the digital world as well. It's actually working much better. The only thing you have to understand when you discuss analog against digital world and networking, the digital work, uh, world is faster. 
and it's it's more open it's sometimes astonishing it was astonishing for me how much information people gave me on the other hand they also expected this for me so you you go a little bit out of your comfort zone because you are you're taught to be more secretive when you work in a company like ours you have a relationship to your customer but you do not talk uh, left and right that much but uh, this was very much necessary but nobody asked me and that was a really learning curve steep learning curve for me nobody asked me when i approached and can you help me what's in there for me they gave me all the information and this is how i really learned to operate um, never ask what you get from networking just give what, it, what you have and you will give it back get it back uh, two times four times so um and then when we looked at technology we found technology we looked at partners um let's talk about rpa for example one of the easiest things looking at uh, we have a lot of repetitive uh, tasks in this company so we looked at RPA we looked at partners we we found UiPath not a big surprise <laughs> biggest company on earth doing RPA we teamed up with them we did the first use cases and then we rolled it out and scaled it up and now we go with, with the RPA technology in our company and we go everywhere and look at what is a repetitive process which we can now RPA put it under into a system and free up time of people we also clarified very early on with our partners, with the unions, with the Works Council, we will never use digital technology to kill jobs or to measure performance. It is to help people to, to become more efficient. It is also to make this company stronger and hopefully grow faster. Uh, and uh, there's no need to kill jobs. It's perhaps the need to, to really create jobs later on. What I told the unions, what I keep on telling the management is every job will change. Every job has changed, and if it has not changed, it will change. And it's just a, a normal process that uh, the more success you have in use cases, the better best is the argument to go to others and say, look, um, anything there. At the beginning, we had to look a little bit for use cases. We never had to back, but uh, it was kind of a little bit uh, bumpy start, because what's the biggest threat to digital transformation for reasons we have not invented this we have never done this we are successful anyway and we don't have time so these are the four reasons you usually hit in a large corporation if something new comes up but the more and more we also could uh, illustrate that uh, with this piece of technology we have been successful there and with this use case um, we um, talk to the people we, we, we did the use cases with um, they will be very open telling you this did not work well, but this is great. So the ratio of success against um, 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 something which was not successful got better and better. And now uh, we, we more, have more or less have a resource issue uh, that uh, all these use cases which are on the plate we cannot uh, get done in the time. So it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice problem to have after two years or two plus years. <laughs> What you just mentioned in regards to, um, you know, having these four problems, basically, in regards to digital transformation. I think, you know, ultimately, um, I would even, you know, dwell it down. I mean, the ones that you mentioned in terms of the, you know, not made here syndrome, for example. But ultimately, I think the, the number one thing that is, you know, also found 
you know across you know any organization it, it doesn't matter you know of what industry is you know the the fact that people are you know everywhere the same and that is you know that they're you know afraid of change and or more or less that they are you know not willing to give up their comfort zone um you mentioned that y your approach was more or less to you know as you said try um start many things at the same time and more or less go in a decentralized way how do you not lose structure there? Because what you need is you need to find those people that, let's say, take ownership for these things, that want to change things, you know, that have the mindset, that are willing to, let's say, leave their comfort zone and, you know, then basically lead the way and uh, take ownership of certain projects whatsoever. How do you keep structure in there? Well, the, the, the structure is the unstructured way uh, of doing it. Um, to um, start with technology at as many places as you can do it and then um, get into a structure of tracking and tracing what is the success of uh, what kind of activity and then in the middle phase connect the use cases to full value chain optimization things because at the end it is process change there's nothing else than process change process change starts in the head so the more people you convince that this way of using for example, data analytics to come to a good decision is better than just experience. Because we also uh, realize at a certain time um, our biggest enemy sits perhaps inside the company and it's a demographic issue. We have a lot of experienced, skilled people who are, especially in the Western world, going to, to leave us in the next two, four, six, eight years because we have a more or less defined retirement age. And most of this knowledge is in the head of the people and even if they would like to transfer over this knowledge, um, let's do the math, uh, I go into retirement, Jonathan takes over, I forget 50% of what I know, you understand 50%, you, so in one step from A to B, you lose 75% of knowledge, which is scary. So a big approach was to put this knowledge, these skills of people, this experience into a system. And uh, you could imagine that people are scared if someone comes to you and says, tell me everything you know, but I made a much different experience. People felt valued. Oh, someone realizes that I might not be here in two, four, six years anymore, and I know so much because I've been working in this plant, in this lab, in this office for 20 years. This is great, and I'm very motivated to tell you everything I know. So not this initial um, fear of if someone is asking me, what do you do every single day that to kill my job? It's more like they, they, they value what I, they appreciate what I've been doing for this company and I would like to capture this. So um, again, mindset. It's just, um, you have to talk to people, you have to be open to people, you have to also understand the power of communication that um, when we talk about changing procedures in a plant, we talk to very proud chemists and engineers, brilliant people who do a fantastic job every single day to take to get 100,000 tons out of this plant. And now we come and we, we check, and just on the basic data, we see that uh, at 100,000 tons capacity, we always get 90,000 tons out every year. So 90,000 tons is 100%. And my question is, let's work together. Perhaps we can get 10% more out or one percentage more out. And then it's very instrumental to tell them we cannot do this without you. I have techies working for me, nerds, hobbits, you name it, <laughs> but there's no chance that you tell us, you give us all your data, 
and we go into our AI engine or to our, our algorithms and a week later out of the printer there is the solution. What we need to do is we need to understand the pain point, the problem. The problem is perhaps 10% capacity loss because of maintenance and so on. Downtimes, um, checks, raw material shortage, container shortage, whatever the, the problem might be. And the problem has always been there, so this 10,000 tons loss is normal. And then look at the data which is available, and then starting to analyze the data, visualize the data, and then go back to the, to the domain experts. This is where the domain knowledge sits, and then you have this ping pong. And this is, for me, still fascinating. After doing so many use cases, it's cool to see that people finally understand the power of data, the power of algorithms, the power of analytics, because what do we do? We give them time, which they lose on a single day, on a, every single day, because they need to look for data, evaluate the data, structure, structure the data, and so on. And we give them this time back by, by working with them and creating a system where the data is there all the time, and it's always actual. So it's not that they look four days for data on the fifth day of the week when they get a little tired because they worked so hard. They can get creative. Monday morning, they come fresh out of the weekend, and here you go, the data is there. And then we clearly declared victory for them. It's not me. It's not my nerds. It's not my, my partners outside. It's, it's their victory that they made it out of a perfect plan to get another 1%, 2 5% out. And this is very important because it is their, their victory, it is their, um, their knowledge and also their motivation, also their courage to look at something new which they were not trained in for the last decades. So when they took over their job from their predecessors, they were told what had been there two decades before. And this is also the chemical industry, we still work on stuff which was invented 150 years ago, which is great. We do it very safe, we do it very diligently, but now to jump the next level, we need technology. And there's so much data in our industry, this is why I, I can recruit brilliant people, because techies of this world, they are working for money, yes, but they work for purpose. And when they see that we have petabyte of data, and there's a lot of white papers laying around which they can write their story on. This is cool and this is why we have an excellent team. I recruited 15 data scientists in the last uh, 18 months, 24 months. People who A, would have never imagined to work for a chemical company or we would have never imagined to look for such profiles. And now this combination is very, very, very strong. We have people who can deal with data in a completely different way. And we have the domain knowledge. And the combination of domain knowledge plus, plus uh, digital technology is never one plus one, it's two, it's five, it's ten, it might be hundred. And we are, in my opinion, we are just at the beginning of exploring what else can be done. Yeah, hundred um, percent. What is interesting to me, I think I'm just going to throw this in as a, as, a, as a question in regards to what you just said, is how do you, you know, data scientists, if you're talking about data scientists and this is something that you, let's say, now more and more discover in terms of where you can create value in inside the company because you have so much data available. How do you structure, you know, data science as, a, uh, uh, as an asset? So do you, let's say, you, you just said that over the last uh, 18 months you recruited so and so many data scientists. How do you, let's say, you know, place them basically do you have a centralized unit for that or do you let's say say okay we're gonna use them kind of like you know kind of as individual chess players basically on the field you know we're gonna place them maybe on there or there or there 
in that early stage we are still in, um, you have to centralize them. So we, I have a, a team which is called um, Data um, uh, Management Analytics, so that we we look at data at a whole, and then we look in use cases, and then we start clustering. So one person is responsible for this business unit, the other person is responsible for NLP or for RPA or for any kind of analytic tools. And then we have a matrix system that they start learning more and more about the unit business unit they are responsible for, and they do all the use cases, but at the same time, they, can they have access to special knowledge of their colleagues. And this also is important to create a real teamwork um, and increase the knowledge of the team, but also um, then move fast on in, in, in these business units. Um, the vision is that in a hopefully period of time in the near future, um, I can dissolve my, my unit, my digital transformation unit, because then the company will be digitized. So all these people who are hired into my data analytics team would then work in a business unit, in a group function. So they, they build up their own knowledge, their skills, and every person there learns from these people. They learn about the job, and then you have a digitized company. So that's the vision is that my job is temporary, and I'm working every day to dissolve it faster, to make sure that uh, we do not have this centralized A-team, which always gets a call if something goes wrong, they fly in or they come in, they fix it, they go back until something else breaks. People are being trained while we do use cases and then we slowly but surely walk away and they call us if they need us, but many times they don't call anymore. It is cool because it gives us time to go somewhere else where we have not uh, even um, started or we, where we need more resources for. And, and the interesting part about that is also, you know, kind of the advantage of being a sci you know, scientific company to its core. This is also something that I talked about with, uh, you know, Merck, uh, which is, you know, you have people that, or let's say the, the people that are core to your business, you know, are s scientists by heart. So, you know, their education wise, you know, where they come from, you know, they have always worked with data, you know, so for them basically uh, to to be shown, you know, uh, by, by a data scientist, you know, the, 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 the different types of uh, methods are, you know, that you can use basically. Uh, it's just, you know, another method, you know, in order to, let's say, work with, uh, with data, you know, so with quantitative data. So that is, uh, that is really, uh, really cool. Absolutely. And, and what we give them is new tools to accelerate their data knowledge. Yeah. And this is key, this, this efficiency that, uh, as I said before, the, the data comes out of the systems and they can work with the data. Um, you don't look at data to report what happened. You look at data to get options. What is, in this situation, the best decision based on data? And every time you make a decision, it's en enriching the data you have, and then you can make a better decision tomorrow. And this is a, um, a mindset change. It's a period where people are a little bit concerned because it's new. But uh, you have to be patient and you have to be um, a little pushy. And so look, this, this is, um, you could do better. Um, not everybody is following this path, um, but there's also group dynamics. So at the beginning, as I said, we had to a little bit look for use cases. Now it's more a race that uh, we look at what's the value of a use case and we put more resources into this than onto others. But at the same time, while we have been doing this, um, I, I recruited 15 data scientists, but I have 15,000 people, and all of them 
have knowledge. I mean, we, we sometimes make this mistake that um, we look at what we have here in the company, but everybody has a private life and everybody orders at Amazon. Everybody has a 365 package at home. Everybody has a MacBook or a Surface tablet at home. And they have Netflix and have Spotify, so they do AI every single day. You just have to tell them that they do it. You go into your car, you use your GPS, it's AI. So you, you th these words are so huge, so big, so, 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 so scary. You just have to normalize it. I said, what you do with your GPS in your car, you can do with your production plant. You, you want to go from A to B, you want to produce something out of this, and the system tells you what's the best way. But the system is only as smart as you put the data in. So perhaps we also have to come to the conclusion that what we have declared as perfect so far has never been checked whether it's perfect. What if we run it a little differently, get more data, and come to a different conclusion? So this is um, this, this curiosity. You have to make sure people um, get back to curiosity and not only work on experience. Sometimes experience is bad for innovation. It's good to run a solid business, but if you don't change everything from Friday to Monday, and you, you change it over the period of time, it's very good because um, when curiosity kicks in, innovation comes back, comes comes later, and this is what we what we're experiencing right now. Right. When you're already mentioning innovation, uh, I think you know it's a perfect point to kind of move into, you know, um, from from digital transformation to actually you know creating new things, or let's say creating. I don't even want to use the word, you know, new new business models, new <laughs> revenue models, because it's kind of, you know, in this whole context, uh, 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 just thrown around. But um, you know, also if we if we talked, we just talked about data science, you know, and and you know, using data basically. I mean, there's two options, right? So either I look at the data that I have in my company and I find ways, you know, to improve my 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 current state, right? I find opportunities to let's say um, be more efficient, you know, to save money. To and general cost saving, and then there is also the opportunity to, you know, uh, if if we look at if we look at what you know these these companies that you just mentioned before, Spotify, Netflix are doing, you know, is to actually let's say create you know digital products, you know, so where they are the core of it, it is basically you know data and algorithms. So um, I wonder, I uh, I'm actually pretty much sure that this is also you know part of your you know your work to think about okay, so how does the company actually look? in the future, right? The, with the question, is it what we're doing right now or what we have done, you know, in our history, is that also the same thing? Is it is that the same thing that we're going to do in the future? Or is there new opportunities, new things that we have to look at? Definitely, because um, when you work in the chemical industry, you, you, you have to realize we are very much asset-driven. So we have huge assets. We have very large chemical plants. And uh, some of these plants were built 150 years ago, and we're working inside of fences. You have the chimneys and so on. So it's it's a solid, or positively speaking, conservative industry. On the other hand, markets are changing so fast, and we we have to transform into a market-driven company, into a customer-centric company. And that is a difficult way because you cannot slack on what you do so 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 well, especially working 100% safe in your chemical plants. On the other hand, you have to realize that um, uh, look at the automotive industry: a Tesla car is a different car than a Mercedes car. But if the Jonathan of this world would like to drive from A to B and they would like to have fun, 
and not uh, looking at uh, certain aspects which were uh, important for your parents, then the market is changing. And if you stay where you are, um, you might wake up uh, five years from now and say, well, my market is gone. Uh, my, my, my industry has changed so fast. So we have a very good example in our company. When we started um, and looked at marketing and sales, we wanted to digitize our sales. And we had this uh, idea of creating a web shop, put our products on our web page and the customers can then pick and choose and they order. I stopped this uh, two weeks into the project because I realized this is a very asset-driven approach because I have to force my customers to come to my web page and API my web page. And in the chemical industry, you don't buy one product from one supplier, you buy 10, 15 products from five, six, seven suppliers. So does it create value for a customer to dock on to five, six, seven web pages? No, what's happening, they don't do it. So we looked into, is there a, into the market, is there a platform? Is there something we can work on to place our products on a platform for the chemical industry? And we surprisingly didn't find anything. There was something out there, but most of these things which were declared plat platforms were web shops, either from competitors or from techies, um, who had found the chemical industry as one of the very few spots where there are no platforms, no digital marketplaces. So I went to my boss, to Matthias Sachert, and said, look, I believe this is the future of the chemical industry. There is nothing, why don't we do it? Why don't we create a marketplace for the digital industry? A couple of discussions because we talk about a lot of money. We talk about really something nobody has ever done before, especially in the chemical industry. And I got to go and we started this. I uh, contracted a tech company writing the first codes. We I founded the company in June 2018, I believe where we were registered. We rented an office, we recruited the first people, and we made a very good decision at that time. We said this company has to be completely independent from the mother company, from the founding company, from the financing company. So I was the first managing director, I went to the supervisory board. I have already stepped down from all these activities. And what we have now, we went live with an MVP in November 2018, really live, live early 2019. Now. Chemondis, this is the name of the startup company, still 100% owned by Langsys, but completely independent, is in the Western world the largest digital marketplace. We have 2,700 players on this platform, means customers and suppliers of chemical products. We have about 60,000, 70,000 products on it, and this year we will reach about 1 billion euros transaction value. We have 45 employees from 14 different nationalities. The office is here in Cologne, in the center of Cologne, um, but it is independent from Langsys. We finance it, but we don't have anything to say at the company because it's so important that it keeps being a independent company. The people who had worked at Langsys, who had started the company with us together and then voiced this, um, this uh, wish to work for Camondas had to quit the job here without any lifeline. So there's no the usual delegation and so on of, um, of um, uh, you, you work there for one year and um, uh, then you um, can come back and you get a lifeline contract and so on. This is not happening. So they had to quit the job. If Camondas is dissolving, they are unemployed. But it was so important to create this independence because otherwise 
Chemonis would have done what's good for Lanxis. Chemonis is doing what's good for the chemical industry. It's so disruptive, Lanxis lost a couple of businesses <laughs> because other companies were listing equal products and perhaps not the price was better, but the availability was better. And so customers who were looking at Chemonis for products um, then chose another company. But disruption is so good for change and we created a company which is, in my opinion, worth a lot of money already. So we get money back for our investment. But what's even more important, we drove the change. We accelerated the change, the mindset change in this company because I always declared I can look into the future. Look, this is going to be the chemical industry, m the, the chemical market in two, four, six, eight years from now. And if we keep on doing our production planning on Excel sheets, isolated <laughs> systems, we will not be in a position to serve a platform business. So what have we done? We also made a decision um, almost simultaneously to standardize our processes and harmonize our systems. We were anyway going from an ERP R3 SAP system to an ERP S4 system, HANA cloud-based and so on. It was a great chance to not only do the technical changeover, but at that time, standardize processes, harmonize systems, and bring data into systems. So we take away Excel sheets from our people doing production planning. They have to do the, the, the procurement of raw materials in the system. They have to do the production planning in the system. We use an ERP system, what an e ERP system was designed for, and not just to have financial workflow in there. And that is massive. This is a much bigger value than what Chemondis might get us when we sell shares of Chemondis or do IPO or whatever we want to do with Chemondis. We can look into the future and I believe we are ahead of our competition because of that brutal knowledge. Oh my God, the market is changing. It's changing fast. That is uh, super interesting and I was just waiting for you to, you know, ac uh, actually mention this point, you know, that, you know, why it is so important for uh, for Chemondis to be independent from, from Lanxis, you know, because of exactly that, you know, I mean, uh, you're your competition, which is ultimately using the platform, right, wouldn't have signed up for the platform, you know, if you guys would be running it, right? That would be just uh, not making not making any sense. Absolutely. I mean, uh, why should a competitor come to my platform? Right. I, I would not have to trust, but we can prove um, it's listed. It's uh, we 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 spend a lot of money on lawyers making sure that we understand everything which is cartel rights. Right. And we. Um, we could not even find a lot of legislation two plus years ago because there was not so much about B2B platforms out there. There was kind of interpretation of B2C laws and so on. So we foresaw what's coming and we are right on the spot because everything we did there, uh, a clear Chinese wall between us and Kimondis, this um, independence of people, um, we actually even signed legal papers that we as the owner do not have any rights to look into the system of Chemondis. The only thing we can look at is how much money are they spending, what is the financing need for the next year, and that is what uh, we do on a regular base, everything else. Um, many times Chemondis says no if Langsys has a request. Could you please do this for a customer in the automotive industry? Check is not good for the market right now. We have other things which are more important. If it's a request from Lanxis, uh, which makes sense, it will be uh, put as a feature in there. 
Um, I learned a lot um, because I learned a lot about different working, working methodologies, sprints, scrums, squats, and so on. There's Kanban boards all over the place. Um, it was uh, very, very um, refreshing for me to see how a new team is built up and starts working together and is organizing itself. Also a brutal team, a brutal system, how the team is operating. When you code, you need to get this code done in a period of time. So you, you look backwards and if someone in the team is not performing on a high level, there's a lot of pressure because it's only done when the code is done. And then you can go out and have a new feature out there. At the same time, um, it's uh, also interesting to see that you mix up a digital system with an analog system. What we did very well, we did not digitize our analog way of doing business. We created a digital product and put all the knowledge from the analog world into it. And this sounds perhaps a little bit like semantics, but it's very much the case that uh, um, others who tried the same just said, this is how we do the business and this is how we put it now into the system. We looked into what could a system do for us and the real thing is you have to make it API compatible. So we can drill so many holes into the system that tomorrow there's a new feature popping up, we can get it done. It's not that this frame is fixed and inside you can do everything. Sometimes the frame becomes too small and our frame is endless. And we, we have open source um, technology in there, so it's, it's really cool to see how fast Kemondis can move on market needs. Um, I think a very, uh, very incredible example, to be honest, uh, in regards to, um, you know, I would even say like, you know, perfect example for corporate venturing in that sense. And, you know, um, just to see that, you know, in regards to the freedom, you know, building up something from scratch, you know, technologically, you know, I mean, most recent stuff, right? Uh, ready for a API economy, you know, which makes total sense. So, I mean, uh, it's really, really great. Uh, you know, I think what is interesting, I think that, that, that it would be interesting to ask you as well is, would you, would you say that this is something, you know, that you, that you guys can, you know, or will and can do in the future as well, you know, because I mean, this is obviously a huge learning, which you just mentioned, you know, all the things that you just said in terms of what you learned personally, I mean, ultimately, it comes down, uh, you, you have proos proven with that, that you were able to build something, you know, to build a business from scratch, it f from the inside out, basically. So, is that, because that is, I guess, that is the ultimate goal for a lot of, for, for, uh, or for most companies, ultimately, right? If, if they're talking about new revenue models, but it, in most cases, it doesn't come, you know, it, it doesn't come f uh, further than, you know, PowerPoint presentations. Mm -hmm. So, um, is that something where you say, okay, you know, we've, we've learned a lot and this is definitely something that we will do in the future, you know, more and more. Kimonis was only possible um, outside of, of Lanxys. Um, it was the timing, it was the, the, the need to accelerate this um, because uh, at that time when we were there, nobody was out there, so we went straight into a vacuum and now we are the number one and we... Um, um, belief will be the marketplace. We are already the marketplace for the Western industry. Will be the marketplace for the for the global world. Um, I believe we would do it again if we see it necessary to go outside of the company. But my um, uh, desire is to to also create something like this inside a company. It's a little bit more difficult because a company like ours needs regulation. We need rules. We have fifteen thousand people. You cannot go completely agile. 
Um, on the other hand, um, we now learned also that if it's not a law which we have to follow anyway, if it's a internal regulation, we need to find a way of checking when did we fix this regulation, when came it out, and can we not change it? Because it might be that it's still a regulation from 15 years ago when we were in a different company. It might be a regulation from 10 years ago. If, if, it, if it is a man-made regulation, you can change it anyway. And that is also what Matthias is asking me. Um, come to me, come to the board, if there's anything which blocks you from something which does not create any value, but it's just blocking. Many people in a company believe that this is the law. It's not the law, it's a regulation. The law is that if the traffic light goes on red, I better stop because I know exactly the penalty if I cross over at red. Even if I'm in a hurry, I stop because this is the law. If it's a regulation, why don't we create a mentality in a company that everybody is trying to check whether this regulation is okay, is good, because it has a lot of purpose in it. It can be changed or we don't need it anymore. And this is, I believe, what would create and what will create also a entrepreneurship within a large corporation because you have a lot of advantages when you're inside a corporation. If it's not possible, then go out. Why not? Um, but I believe there will be a hybrid system. Yes, we will have spin-offs and we go out with something, perhaps also to collaborate with others better or we do it inside and we stop looking at, we produce something which fits in a bag and a pallet and then goes with a truck to someone and we create a, a larger solution, which would then allow you to grow faster than just the market growth of one or two percent. Um, and it's, uh, it's creating value for the industry. One question I asked my team more and more in my old job was, what is the customer customer doing with our product? Not just what is the customer doing, the customer customer. What kind of value are we creating with our product? And why is it only one euro per kilogram? Perhaps the next company gets 10 euros per kilogram and they do something a little bit with it. Why don't we look into mega trends out there and in everything it's chemistry. And perhaps we can combine three products we have in business unit A, B, and C and package it and have a bigger solution for the market than just selling uh, three products uh, parallel to a customer or two customers in the industry. So it's kind of like this old Steve Jobs thing, just stay curious and think more and more. Um, it gets you to a point where you have to also give your people time. This old Silicon Valley rule. Fifth day of the week, do something else than your job. No, we don't go windsurfing. We go perhaps to a colleague and ask like, what are you doing? And what do you actually do with the data I'm creating? And um, I go into the production plant and look perhaps at certain things which I have not even asked the last five or 10 years. And this is right now going on in this company that we give people more time to think about it, to um, come up with ideas, and we take them out of there. Um, I am responsible for accounting of bills A to K in Germany, to um, perhaps you have skills and you're interested to work in this project. Or someone is uh, calling me up, I saw you on stage and um, I have some ideas. Really cool to see how much talent there is in a company like Lanxys, 
They all do a very good job, but I all want to do a better job, want to do a better job. And this curiosity now um, creates a momentum, motivation, and this is really cool. Um, we should not stop it, we should encourage people to do further. Many people are scared and they, 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 they see an agile working methodology very close to, to anarchy. Everybody's doing what he or she wants to do. No, people work more disciplined in an agile environment than in a very structured and, and fixed environment because you involve more people in decision making and when the decision is made, people are more than willing to follow. Rather than they get told, you need to do this, they don't see a value in it, they have to do it, but there's a difference between I want to do it or I have to do it. And this, I believe, uh, is one of the next levels of transformation we are, we're going into, and it's, it's very exciting. There's a lot of, of potential for us in there. Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, you know, it, it, exactly this, this way of thinking and this approach, you know, it is, it is, it is again, you know, creating value two-sided. Once, as we started out with, you know, digital transformation, and we talked about that, right? You, if people have time, right, to kind of, you know, take their head and look up, you know, from the daily, from the daily, let's say, business, you know, they're also, let's say, because they know the business in and out, right? Because they do it from a day-to-day -day business. They also know what the problem is, right? The, are the problems that are, you know, the small problems that are, the things that can be improved, right? They're the best to, to, to be asked. And if they have the opportunity to kind of look up, right, I mean, they have the time to think about, okay, and then also, you know, are open to, let's say, you know, external, for example, uh, help for it, uh, that is also coming, let's say, from people like data scientists, for example. And and the same, and, and the, the, the other part would be, let's say, creating new things, you know, from, from scratch, not just improving the ones that are existing, but let's say really thinking outside of the box, which you just, uh, what you just mentioned, right? What is actually our customer customer doing? And I think that is a, a really, really good example. No, absolutely. It's it's um it's a um, as I said, I, I strongly believe we're right at the beginning of understanding how powerful digital technology um, is going to be um, for the future of our business. And if we do it right, and right now I believe uh, we have a lot of stuff cooking, um, we will look differently in two, four, six years from now. Different in terms of a much faster and more profitable, better company because we can base more and more of our decisions based on data and not just based on experience. I mean, this world is weird. I mean, one tweet from last night can change duty rates by 25-50%. So you have a profitable business and the next Monday uh, you are negative because you have to pay 50% duty. So you have to create much more flexible systems and understand what is the impact of that decision or what could a decision have an impact on my business and what is the option then? It's it's good to see that this is an impact. It's much better to see what's my option and how can I how can I change I cannot change anything which is going out in the market, but how can I adapt and how can I be faster than my competitors to um, change myself, change my processes and act fast to um, under different conditions get the same or better results. Hey, Eric, uh, it was really great talking to you. Um, uh, thanks for being on the show and thanks for uh, you know, the many insights that you gave us to, uh, to your journey at Lanxus. Jonathan, thank you very much.